Chapter 17 Two Years Before the Thrain Phyrexian War After the Untouchables' uprising, it took months to heal and rebuild Halcyon. First were days of black smoke. Columns rose from pyres into the sky. Mocking winds plucked at and shed the ascending soot. Funeral ash drifted down on the living. Flecks of gray struck to red roads amid bug swarms. Immolated flesh sought out drying blood. The two reanimate in the belly of flies. Even when pyres ceased, city clouds spiraled tauntingly above the city. The bucket brigades that squelched roof fires now washed gory streets. A sickly smell filled the air. Blood clung to boots and tracked onto every floor. It lingered beneath fingernails and in the folds of hands. They would not get that blood out. Not ever. It seeped into the spaces between cobbles and washed down in great septic rivers beneath the city. It spun in dust clouds and slid into house sites with each breath they took. No sooner had the dead been burned and their blood washed from the surface of things than the processions of mourning began. In each district, on each terrace, they sprung up simultaneously. The public rites were ancient, but nearly forgotten after centuries of peace. The folk wore black and sack. Effigies of death were chased down the streets. Swine were flogged until they bled. Trumpets wailed in ghost songs at all hours. For a time, Halcyon immersed itself in the witchery of human grief. These parades even braved streets where health corps workers and house guards tore down gutted buildings, rebuilt rooftops, mortared walls, and labored in every other way to rebuild. The same young warriors who defended the city now raised it from the ashes. The people loved them. The people loved Yogmoth. It is love more than any other force that overcomes grief. Months passed. The dead lingered only in memory and in the hue of cobble cracks. The city was rebuilt. Even the temple, the greatest symbol of hope the Thran had ever known, was rushed to completion. Yalmoth knew the mood of the people. They were ready to climb out of despair and celebrate victory. Yalmoth would give them a city more beautiful than ever. Today was the day, the dedication of the temple and the first day of the Feast of Victories. There were many victories. The end of incursions from below, the imminent demise of Thysis, the completion of the temple, and the beginning hope of Yalmoth's paradise. Many in the Elder Council believe today would also be the perfect ceremonial moment for Yalmoth to relinquish the reins of the military. On the eve of all this joy, though, a shadow had fallen over the city. A caravel had arrived a week ago, bearing on it a grim-faced set of ambassadors. The first was a dwarf, from far-off Oran Deeps, a subterranean mountain empire on Jamura. Yalmoth and his eugenicists had once sojourned among the diminutive folk, healing the black cough that slew them. The dwarf ambassador was Prince Delsum, son of a dual centennial king. Delsum was merely eighty, sinewy and clear-eyed, and dressed in jewel-toned silks that most dwarves would have disdained as foppery. He was a suspicious and grasping prince, if Yalmoth remembered. An elf priestess debarked just after Prince Delsum. She was Elisendra Bedemdrif of the Dalek Elves. She represented the vast confederation of woodland nations in the domains. Yalmoth and his fellow exiles had wandered among those people as well, though he had never met this priestess. She had the angular severity of her kind, graceful and slim as poniard and just as cold. Her clothes consisted of a cloth, not so much woven as grown, in places as smooth as a palm frond, and in others nappy-like wool. The living staff she bore, twined with ivy tendrils that proclaimed the domain of her deity, and she glared at the grand city as though it were a leprous carbuncle. There were others, too. A pair of barbarians garbed in buckskin, with hats formed out of taxiderm game hens. A triumvirate of minotaurs followed next. The beastmen would make an even greater sensation on the city streets than the dwarfs. Jokes about thick-headed and lascivious bullmen were standard fare in the market squares of Halcyon. Even the other delegates gave them a wide berth. The next arrival, an elderly catwoman, fastidiously waited until a breeze had freshened the gangplank before she debarked. Once a warrior among her exotic breed, 
This woman was clearly now a matriarch, the self-proclaimed queen of the thousand tribes. Last of all was a grizzled old lizard man from volcanic Shiv. Each new arrival was a rung lower on the chain of being, farther from Thran humanity. These beasts were throwbacks, burrowing among rocks and hugging trees, dressing in dead pelts. They were half-animal. Their bodies were crude, built for violence. Their minds and societies were just the same. All had welcomed Yawmoth when he and his comrades had arrived, human healers in their midst. All had repaid his labors with distrust and hatred. They had made the eugenicists most unwelcome, human freaks among their people. Now, it was they who were the freaks. No sooner had the contingent debarked than they affronted the elders who greeted them. Spurning offers of friendship, the delegation demanded an immediate audience with the full assembled council. It was explained that the council members were spread across the continent, and a council could not be convened in less than a week. Prince Delsum indicated that a full council must be convened in no more than a week, or the ambassadorial corps would leave, their message undelivered, to the great peril of Halcyon. That was that. Without indication as to why they had come, the ambassadors retired to state course to wait. The week passed. The temple's dedication had come. The Feast of Victories was about to begin. The council convened to hear the news of the barbarian ambassadors. There was a festival air beneath the council hall dome. Halcyon's elders wore bright robes of celebration. They brought with them loud conversation and laughter. For weeks, their eyes had been trained on this day in the Feast of Victories. Whatever niggling business had summoned them here, they would not be diverted long from civic celebration. Yamoth and Rebecca were among those garbed for festival. Rebecca wore a yellow robe streaming with embroidery and ribbons. Yamoth's own robes were moon gray. The shoulder piece of his robe was silver incest with a gleaming power stone meant to remind the city of the silver guard warriors he commanded. What is this all about? Rebecca asked him. Yamoth gave a carefree shrug. Isn't dwarf diplomacy an oxymoron? Rebecca covered her mouth as she laughed. She paused, wringing her hands together. Well, if stories are true, dwarves are at least straightforward. Perhaps he'll get to the point and allow us to get to the dedication ceremony. Yamoth clutched her hands, enfolding them in his own. Don't be nervous. Nothing can steal this day away from you. It isn't my day. Well, then nothing can steal this day away from your temple. It isn't my temple. Look, here they come. The stir on the council hall floor still as the barbarian delegates entered. They came through the main doors to the chamber. The minotaurs marched with a military snap to their hooves, as glossy as obsidian. Behind them strode Prince Delsum, panoplied in the heraldry of Orn Deeps. He glared beneath reddish brows and might have seemed majestic, if not for his stature. He rose only to the rumps of his minotaur escort. Elisendra Wedemdrif came afterward, regaled in silks of foliage motif. Barbarian humans and lizard men followed. The elders watched this odd procession with patient indulgence. Only the elders of Osanet and Wington stood at solemn attention as the ambassadors marched toward the podium at the center of the chamber. The voice of the moderator rose. Come to order, Elder Council. Today we receive emissaries from abroad. Welcome them to our midst. Applause rose like a gentle rain. The parade of delegates made their grim way to the podium. The minotaurs positioned themselves on three sides, and the lizardmen on the fourth. Meanwhile, Prince Delsum climbed to the lectern. The steps were a bit much for him, and he waddled as he went. I hope he can't see over the lectern, Yamoth said quietly to Rebecca. Prince Delsum ascended and glared down at Yamoth as though he heard the comment. From a document tube hanging at his side, he produced and unrolled a sheet of parchment. His hands shook ever so slightly as he flattened it on the lectern. 
The council may be seated, the moderator said. With a rumble of benches and whisper of paper, the group sat. Prince Delsum cleared his throat. The sound was channeled through Powerstone's position around him, and it reverberated nervously beneath the dome. He read, I, Prince Delsum, of the ruling house of Orn Deep, have been selected to speak for a coalition of the five great non-human races of the world. Dwarf, Elf, Vaishino, Minotaur, and Cat Person. We represent 25 nations and have found alliance also among the non-Thran humans of Jamura and the Thran humans of Losanan and Wington city-states. The announcement brought a stir of speculation to the council floor. Prince Delsum looked up from the page, taking a moment to mop his brow. The moderator signaled for silence, and her enforcers tensed along the perimeter. The hush was immediate. Taking a deep breath, the dwarf prince resumed. We come to you with a familiar story. A story of plague and civil war and massacre. Of course, there will always be plagues. But when before have plagues led to uprisings and wholesale slaughter? When except these last decades? And when have plagues propelled a man to the height of a nation? Only when the man is a healer. Only when the man promises a cure. Only when he pretends to control a plague so that he can take control of a nation. Such a man has come among us. Such a man used the black coffin Orin Deeps to spark workers' rebellion. He, his fellow exiles, and his rebels nearly slew my father, nearly destroyed a millennium of dwarf rule beneath the mountain, nearly made the singularity monstrous man a king among dwarves. Such a man turned the creeping mold of the Argoth force into a virulent plague that ate away the elves there. His agents abducted priestess Elisendro, Ledemdrith, and her healers, and he held the whole population ransom for the cure. Once the ransom was paid, he delivered only sweetened water and twelve slain healers. Such a man loosed the white death among Talruan minotaurs, merely to study its effects. Such a man spread rabies among the ruling cat warriors of Jamura until they tore each other apart in a mad frenzy. Such a man poisoned the human tribes of Golada Mesha. Such a man captured and pithed and vivisected the bay of the Shivan Vyashino. We believed him and have paid dearly for our mistakes. Now we call for the immediate extradition of this monster from Halcyon. In the name of the five great non-human species of Dominaria, and the non-Thran humans of Golada Mesha, and the Thran humans of Losanan and Wington, I demand the immediate extradition of the healer known as Yongmoth. The prickly silence had accompanied the Dwarf Prince's presentation, now cracked like thunder. The whole assembly arose. Some shouted. Some shook their fists. Others only stood and gaped, mouths wide and breathless. The roar of protest and agreement shook the vast building. Rebecca's eyebrows drew into the stern line. How dare they come here and make these accusations? The moderator signaled for silence. The Prince retains the floor! Enforcers wrestled the most obstreperous representatives from the hall, though no one sat again. He fooled us, the dwarf prince said. He is fooling you. This thysis that plagues you, he has used it to ascend to the heights of your city. In just over six years, he has gone from being an exile to being a near king. He has taken over your army and created an army of his own. They are posted throughout the city-states of this empire. Only in Losanet and Wington has their power been checked. Elsewhere, Yarmouth rules as he does. He sends critics down among the infirm. He liberates those who serve him and eliminates the rest. 
He regulates distribution of the serum and infects any who oppose him. He has reshaped your city in his own image. We plead with you. Look around. See the fruits of this man's deeds. Disease masked in healing. Domination of masked in servitude. Stop him before he becomes ruler of all Halcyon. Ruler of the whole Thran Empire. If he ascends that far, we will consider it a declaration of war. World War. If he is not given over to us, Halcyon will have to fight the rest of Dominaria. There was no longer any hope of holding back the shouts. The moderator signaled impotently for silence. Elders surged from their seats into the aisles. Minotaur stomped furiously, threatened to gore anyone who approached. Don't worry, Yawmoth, Rebecca said, gripping his sleeve. None of us believe these lies. Without responding, he pulled free of her. He approached one of the Minotaurs and stared him straight in the eye. Let me pass, Yamat said. I would speak to these charges. Taking the man's measure and noting the furious throng behind him, the Minotaur dipped his head ever so slightly and motioned Yamat onward. He ascended to the podium, his figure gigantic behind the diminutive prince. Only his appearance calmed the mob. With a single raised hand, he silenced them. Halcytes, Thran, ambassadors, all of you know my deeds. You know that I have defended every last one of you and helped you rebuild a city ravaged by the damned. You know I have devised a treatment for the Thysis, and I'm nearing to discovering a cure. You know that I, with Rebecca, seek to lend our people into a future free of war and disease and even death. Judge me by my works. A broad ovation filled the chambers, and shouts of, I, I. Now let us conclude this unhappy business and adjourn to the celebration long awaited, long needed. I call for a vote. Does anyone second? I second, Rebecca shouted. Then, let the vote be taken on this proposal. Shall Healer Yamoth remain in this position, unaffected by the call of extradition? All in favor, vote aye. The council hall rolled with a response. Aye. All opposed, vote nay. The reply was just as loud. Nay. Yalmoth stared out at the room, astonishment and fury in his eyes. I call for a count of elders, the moderator said. Eldest, tally, record, and report the votes of your cities. While the eldest struggled to reassemble their contingents, Yalmoth continued only to stare in blind incredulity of the masses. The voice of the dwarf prince came from below. They know you, Yawmoth. Even after you purged your enemies from among them, the rest of them know you. Even after you flooded the city with your loyal servants, they know you as I do. Without looking down, Yawmoth replied coldly, You do not know me, or you have not come here to do this. We have a count, announced the moderator. Eldest, report your vote. Indicate extradition or non-extradition. The eldest of the first city-state called out. Chingnan votes for extradition. The next eldest shouted, Losanid votes for extradition. Wington votes for extradition. Nayoran votes for non-extradition. Seton votes for non-extradition. Phonon votes for non-extradition. Orlison votes for non-extradition. Yamoth breathed, clutching at the edge of the lectern. Three for extradition and four opposed with only eldest Jameth of Halcyon left to cast her vote. It seemed an effort for the regal woman to speak. Halcyon votes for extradition. A jubilant sound came from the dwarf beside Yamoth. The yip was strange against the groan that moved through the chamber. 
The moderator called for silence. Four cities for and four against. The motion passes to the leader's council. As I call your name, give your response. Those in favor of extradition, vote aye. Those opposed, vote nay. Yalboth hawkishly watched each leader there, priests and healers, heroes and nobles, as the call came for their votes. For every nay, there came an aye, so that the vote was equal at thirteen when it came to him. He was so startled to hear his own name. It took a moment to realize what was asked of him. Having doubts yourself, taunted the dwarf prince. Nay, Yama said. I vote nay. And last, Rebecca of Halcyon, the moderator called. What is your vote? Rebecca stared up at Yalmoth, a strange look in her eyes. She seemed to be seeing him for the first time, though whether that look brought joy or terror, he could not have told. I vote, she began, her voice a mere whisper. Clearing her throat, she said, I vote nay. Fifteen opposed, thirteen in favor. Extradition is denied. The answering shout was half cheer, half shriek. Yalmoth's gaze pinned those who had posed him, one by one. Rebecca had been too shaken by the council meeting to deliver her address at the dedication of the temple. Yalmoth volunteered to go first. Amid the cheers of a vast throng, he stepped to the center of the temple. His image was cast in a myriad miniature across the city below. It shone within all the uplifted eyes there. It gleamed, massive and godlike on the clouds. Through a stole of power stones, his voice boomed like thunder. I am sorry to cloud this joyous day with evil tidings, but I must. Just this morning, a task force of four nations appeared in the council hall and declared war on the Thran Empire. Dwarf, elf, lizard man, minotaur, cat person. They have pledged to attack us. They have brought barbarian humans among them and have even turned Losanin, Wington, and Chingnon against us. He did not wait for the fur in the crowd below to die down. His voice could overtop all the shouts. In this time of crisis, when the world has declared war on us, and three of our own city-states have initiated civil war, I have no choice but to dissolve the council and assume control of the nation. He utterly ignored the screams. I have ordered the healing corps and house I guard to escort you to your homes, to keep the city free of panic and riot. The same order is being carried out even now in Orlison, Seton, Nyoron, and Phonon. Meanwhile, the house I guard and health corps and the rebel city-states have been ordered to retreat before being captured and slaughtered by this evil coalition. A hushed terror answered those words. His voice changed from military ruler to gentle father. Do not fear, people of Halcyon, people of the Empire. I have saved you before. I will save you again. It was out of barbarism and war that we ascended to this lofty place. Out of them, we will ascend again. Do not abandon your dreams for the glorious future, people of Halcyon. These are but the birth pangs of heaven I have promised.